North Beach, Fisherman's Wharf, and Chinatown have always captivated me. And like most who live here, it's usually the first place you take people from out of town, right? They're vibrant and super photogenic, and the food. Well, that's kind of the best part of this wonderful world of San Francisco, right? The food. I just learned that for the most part, these places are not just touristy places. They are places where there are thriving native communities. Communities of people that will keep the city afloat when tourism has been lost, which is like totally now. I'm really inspired. So let's get to this heartfelt discussion with a most cherished member of the SF community, Mr. Rodney Fong. I'm Susan Brown. I'm Michaela Joy O'Shea. And I'm Jay Yi. You're listening to Beyond the Fog Radio. Our podcast about the untold stories of San Francisco's long history from the people that have helped shape it. Whether you're new to San Francisco or have lived here your entire life, join us as we share the stories of our city by the bay. Before we get started, I really wanted to find out from everyone what their experience was like interviewing Rodney. So, Jay, let's start with you. How was it to to interview Rodney? You know, what was really cool about meeting Rodney, you know, it's like you meet a longtime friend and it was just like being at home with someone I've never met before. And it really brings me back to memories. And one of my fondest memories is with my grandmother. In the morning, we would chop up bread, like stale bread that we wouldn't eat. And we would uh, hop on the enjuta. And my favorite thing to do is to sit right in front of the carousel and feed the pigeons with my grandmother. We'd take in the sights, the sounds, the smell of salt water and the crab. And it was, it was so cool. So like to have a conversation about Pier 39 was not only nostalgic, but had me really appreciate a part of the city that I don't often see anymore. So, uh, Michaela, how about you? Tell, tell, tell us more about what you thought of Rodney and I also felt the similar sensibility about Rodney meeting him. He's just a presence that is so comfortable. And he he's such a styly guy. And you can tell that he owns this town, but he doesn't really own this town. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, he's the man about town. He is so He San totally Francisco. is. Yeah, he just, he was just great. So and cool. my favorite part, because I actually couldn't hear the interview live because of all the, the sounds of where we were, but afterwards he was like, hey, let me have your camera. I know how to shoot an icon. Let me take a photo of you guys. <laughs> so that was really cool for us to actually get a photo of the three of us. And it was also really great to hear feedback from my friends in San Francisco and the Bay Area, knowing that we are releasing this interview with Rodney today. And he is just a celebrity of San Francisco. People are really excited to hear more about him. Compared to Jay and Susan, I am the new kid to San Francisco, but that doesn't mean my love for this city doesn't run deep. And after hearing the talk with this week's guest, now I totally wish I was a native San Franciscan too. 
He's a fourth-generation San Franciscan, the president of the Chamber of Commerce, and just a downright delightful human. Jay and Susan spoke with him in Washington Square Park back in October of 2020. Thank you so much, Rodney Fong, for um, joining us. Uh, I just wanted to start off with kind of sharing a little bit of background of how we came to this podcast. So Susan and I have been friends for the last couple of years. Uh, we belong to uh, a business networking group uh, here in the city. And uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic, we were catching up on the phone. And Susan Brown's business, Beyond the Fog, is uh, all based on tourism. And... I was like, Susan, you know, I think there's an intersection with what you care about, with social justice, with tourism, and we're all natives. I think we can tell the story of San Francisco, like through the San Francisco natives, like by each neighborhood. This may be a great opportunity to not only tell the story, but to have those who are coming next to appreciate what San Francisco has been so that we can also build on top of that. So we wanted to talk to you, Rodney, and to, if you could tell us a little bit about who you are and your family in San Francisco. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm really excited to, to chat with you about this, and especially where we're sitting right now. Uh, we are on the intersection, the corner of Union and Stockton, kitty corner from original Joe's restaurant in Washington Square Park, sitting in the sun here in San Francisco on a beautiful October day, some of our best weather here in San Francisco. My background is actually pretty localized. Uh, embarrassingly, I've never slept more than 30 days outside of San Francisco, born and raised on 28th Avenue, <clears throat> moved all the way over to Kauhala Marina area, and now live on 16th Avenue, which is not too far from where I grew up. So uh, maybe a townie, maybe um, someone who's not ventured out, but I've had the pleasure of uh, visiting a lot of different places around the world and never found any place that I'd want to call home more than this great city. So uh, like a lot of us here in the city, have deep, deep roots in San Francisco, have a great love for San Francisco. But I think what's unique about this city is that you don't have to be here for four generations. You can be here for four months. And what we have in common, the common thread, is when you come here to fall in love with the city, to fall in love with the culture, the art, the food, the smell, the seagulls, everything that's going on, and hopefully some of the innovation and uh, forward-thinking things that happen here in San Francisco as well. So that's probably the common thread. And, and I think we are right now um, in the midst of COVID. Some of those things we just mentioned are at risk. Uh, and I think that's some of what you want to talk about is how we hold on to that thread and we make sure that thread continues on and how we make it a teaching for others who will be here long, but long after we're gone. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you were born in the avenues. Yeah, 20th Avenue, and, and our family business was the Wax Museum down at Fisherman's Wharf for 50 years. My grandfather had opened it in 1962. Wow. Uh, I had grown up in that Wax Museum working for my grandfather and my father. Everything from moving around Frankenstein's head to, <laughs> to Dracula's body to up and down Jefferson Street. Wow. In the middle of the summer, working cash registers, uh, understanding and stocking seashells for our retail stores, shot glasses with cable cars on them. Um, understanding all of that. And, and all of those things really taught me so much about a business, but also just about people and how people enjoy themselves, how they are when they are on vacation, which is much more different than when you're working and uh, the dynamic of running a business and creating a family. And so if any of us, all of us who've work in, worked in organizations understand that a family can be created that is bulletproof, priceless, mm -hmm. unbeatable, if you are all working on the same team and, and together to, for a common goal. Some of the most long-standing businesses are family-ran, right? Yep. And uh, family is what you can count on. 
And I think that's what really attributes to the long-standing longevity of your family business, which is awesome. Now, I wanted to um, just to have you tell your story of what it is to grow up here in the city. You know, like I know for myself, you know, I, I think Fishman's Wharf was my version of what the World's Fair could have been, right? It's just super fun times for me. So could you kind of tell us how did that come to be? Because I, I know that your family helped shape a lot of what Fisherman's Worth is today, right? Yeah. Uh, literally where we're standing now, just by coincidence, is, is was sort of my backyard and playground. Um, obviously, Chinatown, where my great-grandmother had lived in SRO there on Washington Street, the place we visited them as, wow. as kids, um, to go to Chinese school at St. Peter and Paul Church right over here across the street and playing basketball at Salesians Boys Club. Wow. Uh, so every day after school, uh, just coming here and either visiting family or, or doing an activity was really important. What, I, what is funny about it, as a kid taking the f- number 41 Union bus right here, is the smell that I smelled coming into North Beach. And at a, as a kid, I didn't know what that smell was, but I knew I was near where I was about to get off the bus. And that smell was a con- the smell of coffee roasting, coffee beans roasting, oh, which yes. I had no idea as way before I was a coffee drinker. Uh, but I associated that tactical, tactile thing with the area of town. And so one cool thing about San Francisco, if you're sort of like observant enough, is, is the weather differences. We call them microclimates uh, now. But, right. you know, going back home to 20th Avenue, it was cold and foggy, and that was home. Yeah. And coming over this way, it meant basketball practice, uh, smelling the coffee yeah. roast. So um, we live in a tiny city, seven by seven. Right. But it's also a huge city, and so it's, it's big enough for me, but it's also small enough for me. I think having our family here, uh, all of my relatives still live in San Francisco. You talk about the multi-generational businesses in which I, I think we need to really strive for that as a goal. Yeah. I know it's not necessarily the, Amer- the modern American thing to root yourself in multi-generations, but this is what we have here, and this is what's built this. So you look at Original Joe's, a multi-generational right. family-owned businesses with multiple locations. Maybe Tony's Pizza will be a multi-generational business and we've got to ensure that Tony uh, has the ability to continue to stay be able to afford to run his business and if he has any kids I'm not sure that they have the, the, the wherewithal and the abilities to stick around and continue to run that legacy kind of business for the family. Yeah, absolutely Now, what were some of the most fun times working at the pier? Because, you know, the pier was like your entertainment center. Yeah. Wharf. Oh yeah, we had lots of fun down there. <laughs> I wish I could work <laughs> at the pier growing up. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, there's some there's some fun times and there's some kind of odd times too. And one of my responsibilities, as I got a little bit older, and they gave me the the GM key, the general manager's key, uh, was to respond to the police. Wow. When at night, if the burglar alarm ever went off, and so many a times I had to go down there late at night and meet the police department, the police officers there, and walk through the wax museum with them. Now, granted, I knew every single wax figure, scene, set, wall, corner there was to work in the wa- walk through a wax museum, but you take a, a stranger in the dark with the lights off through a wax museum, and all of a sudden oh my everyone goodness. becomes on edge. So the funniest <laughs> one is, you know, uh, start to walk through uh, with a couple of officers, and they get about 100 feet into the wax museum, and see some people standing there, wax figures standing there, and they, they take a time out and say, hang on, we're going to go call for a dog. We don't want to do this alone. So, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to assure. I'm like, come on, don't worry. That's just, that's just Bridget Bardot. We're going right through this. No problem. <laughs> Has anyone ever stolen a wax figure? Uh, I don't know. We've had some vandalism, but I don't think a theft, a pure theft. <laughs> Someone steal oh, well, Who, who, who would head. you steal? Who would you want to steal? <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> 
or so whoever you would idolize, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about Fisherman's Wharf. Currently, now it's very much um, a tourist attraction, but it's also a working fisherman's port. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's actually that's actually one of my fun fun things about the wharf. And over those years, these years, have gotten to know many of the sport fishermen and the commercial fishermen there, and some of the fish processors. Like any good San Franciscan, hopefully you love seafood and you love crab season and you love uh, the rock, great rock cod and halibut that come out of the bay. Um, but, you know, being able to go, actually go fishing with them and see that, that thriving industry. If I can tie a little bit to COVID, you know, there's so many correlations between what's going on right now with business, nonprofits, the flow of tourism. And so when I talk to my fish processing friends, unfortunately, their business is just crushed because of the restaurants are not buying fish. The restaurants aren't buying fish because obviously people are out and the 18 million visitors that come to San Francisco are not coming here right now. And so you just see this trickle-down cycle, this symbiotic relationship between business and health and just overall flow of energy. Uh, I work for the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce, and while things um, are, for the Chamber, business-focused, I can't help but realize all the non-business things that are connected to the Chamber of Commerce and to our just overall being here in San Francisco, including our most vulnerable community. And what I'm really fearful of is um, some of the great nonprofits who've been doing great work in San Francisco are going to feel different this next coming year when they try to do a fundraiser, when they try to get corporate sponsorship, when they try to get donations. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be a whole different vibe. And we have, uh, I think, some of the most vibrant and most nonprofits here in San Francisco. And so that's always, was already a strain, as Susan, as you know, going to all these different galas and dinners that they are kind of competing with themselves over a handful of funders. And if those funders start to leave San Francisco, which they are, Mm -hmm. uh, or start to shrink back out of force, there's going to be a strain on our vulnerable community, I believe. And uh, that's not something I want to propagate, but I think it's something that we really need to keep an eye on and a good reason to keep the the business community healthy, Uh, not out of control, because, you know, arguably it maybe was out of control to some degree and some impacts the city. But you do want, to some level, a healthy, vibrant ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, during this time, one of the things that I've been doing as a business owner is looking out for different ways to support other businesses. For instance, fish processors, as you mentioned, they're now going direct to consumer. And so I'll buy a bunch of fish just to make sure that they stay alive because I have so much appreciation. I mean, the seafood here is amazing. So you make a great point. It's like right now it's the time as business owner as well, I believe, that we support one another. And I think that's how we came together here to mm-hmm. start this conversation is to put our talents together and make something good out of a, a challenging time. There are a lot of really cool things and opportunities I think that are going to come before us and I, to be honest I feel really blessed to be living in this particular time in this particular place yeah. because there's nothing but opportunity. Um, in the background you hear someone drilling right. and they're actually building out one of the parklets here at one of the local restaurants and so there's activity, there's chance for change, there's chance for growth. Yeah. We lived in San Francisco at a great time. We began to see, see a lot of the um, benefits of that. And maybe San Francisco, to, to get better, has to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Hmm. Maybe we have to uh, appreciate all the things we have and not the things we want. Uh, I, I think hopefully COVID, for a lot of us, have realized the control of time is very different. 
And so to be able to work from home and work really hard and be productive, but then also hopefully enjoy our family and spend a little more relaxation time and start a garden or finish a project that maybe you've always wanted to do. So um, the whole sense of time, I think, is different yeah. and not better, not worse. If I may, just for about you know the workforce and the work from home, it's only been six and a half months, but it's striking to think that we used to review employees by their attendance or their tardiness to work. And now we're all working from home, potentially even more productive than we were before. And no one's keeping track of hours. No one's clocking in necessarily. Um, but the management style is very different. Our expectation is about project-based things. And can you deliver it? Can you get it done rather than I need you to sit there for eight hours and, and look busy? For people who don't know North Beach and Chinatown and Fisherman's Wharf, can you connect them a little bit and tell a about each, make a, you know, yeah. colorize each one of them? The, the, the three areas you described are probably only 25 blocks by 10 blocks wide, um, easily walkable, mm -hmm. e easily distinguishable by the cuisine and not necessarily the architecture, but some of the signage for sure differentiate them. The people, I think, are uh, a little bit different in that if you walk those 25 blocks, Chinatown, one of the most dense areas in America, with the fewest number of cars and a very high senior rate. Um, longevity in that community is very long and, and high, and I think um, many of them live in, in very small conditions, tight conditions. So we worry about that area from a fire perspective or an earthquake perspective or realistically a COVID spread perspective, and they are so living so closely together. Across the street on Columbus Avenue, um, North Beach, a great old historical fun part of San Francisco, a great food area of San Francisco, a great bar area of San Francisco. And uh, I think for many generations, you can almost depend on coming to North Beach and finding some activity, some fun, something going on, almost guaranteed. And I think that will still continue, hopefully in the future. Going a little bit further to the north, you start to enter into Fisherman's Wharf, where, as you mentioned, as an old working waterfront, fishing, shipping, tanning, tanneries uh, dominated that area. Uh, import exports sort of started to begin to dominate the area, and you start to see some of the warehouses that fill that along some of the old piers along port property. But then tourism really started to pick up in the 50s or so, late 50s, early 60s, and now we have this you know world-class destination uh, that receives more people than Disneyland, I believe, every single year. And, really? and people understand uh, and get a, a chance to experience um, the waterfront. And I think we have to remember a lot of people who come here, we take this for granted, Jay, that uh, we see the water every this day. This is we true. See the ocean. This is true. And for many people to not ever see the bay or the ocean or the Golden Gate Bridge or get a whiff of uh, fog or, or sea lion odor yeah. uh, <laughs> is the first time for a lot of people. So, yeah, You know, as a native San Franciscan, I, I don't appreciate the tourist areas as much as I should. Like, it was just last month that I uh, was at the aquatic park, and I sat there with my wife, just taking it all in. and didn't realize how much, even during this time, how many people come just to sit and be with the architecture, the, the, the air, the, the whole vibe, even though the vibe is much more calm and subdued. Like, we live in a beautiful town. We do, yeah. yeah.
we're just talking about tourism and, and where we think that's going. Uh, and you mentioned about all the great neighborhoods that we have. Yeah. Here we are in October 2020. This is a great time right now if you oh, haven't been to Alcatraz time. and you've lived your early life to go do it, to go to Land's End. I mean, it, it, the place is ours right now. Right. And so um, in years past, from a business and tourism perspective, whether it was the 1989 earthquake, whether it was the 9-11, whether it was the dot-com bomb, whether it was a 2008 recession, San Francisco always depended on local traffic to bounce back. And mm. we're going to do that again. We need, we need all locals, and we're going to have locals. And when I say locals, it's Northern California and sort of the drive range. Right. Um, L.A. folks to come on up and, and spend a weekend with us. Uh, so I expect that to, to bounce back, but it's going to be a different audience. Right. And with COVID and with the economic situation, it's probably going to be a, a little less spendy audience, uh, which, hey, that might be all right. You know, cocktails didn't have to be 20 bucks each. <laughs> <laughs> we can have two at 10 bucks. That's right. That's right. So um, living in the avenues, what would you recommend? Your favorite place to go? In the avenues? Mm-hmm. Ocean Beach and Sutro Baz area is just a great place to walk around. And yeah. But of course, for food, you know, got to go to Shanghai Dumpling King or yes. uh, somewhere out in Babo or Clement Street yeah. and enjoy the, the great produce and fish markets. And uh, there's a great farmer's market out there as well. But there's some Asian markets that are fantastic just to stroll through. And that's where I spend my Saturday mornings. I grew up as well doing the same <laughs> exact thing. Literally. Yeah. You know, during this time, the one thing that I uh, thought to myself is I was not a part of the conversation which helped shape what was the last iteration of San Francisco with all the, what we call the hipster age and the the tech and everything like that. And I think now is really an opportunity to, you know, have a seat at the table, at least be informed and to express my concerns and to make a difference. And that's that's one aspect of my self that I've not taken initiative on and I think this is really a a time to do that and I think we're starting off with just interviewing people and every day has been kind of a a slog during COVID you know I I work in a office in a a garage situation where we we help injured athletes all day and it's the same thing every day and I don't see the rest of the city so this has really been a blessing Mm -hmm. really really been a blessing well there's there's a perfect time now to to get involved and and um the term is overused, but give back. But it's actually more than that right now. Yeah. It, it's a time that all of us need to know what district you live in, right? who your supervisor is. Really take the time to go through these, this ballot uh, handbook, which is, I don't know, hundreds of pages long. But take the time and, and find out and do your own research about who your trusted source is. If it's the Chronicle, if it's the Guardian, if it's the Chamber of Commerce, if it's the Chinatown Merchants Association, whatever it is. Right. Um, but, but it's time to get involved. And, and I'll be honest, you know, we've been very, very lucky living here and in particular over the last 15 years. It, it has been caviar and champagne time. And now is a different time for us to really dig deep. And we were able to not pay attention to some of the politics that were going around or going on. Now is a time I think where we have to become engaged because the decisions today grossly affect our outcome in the near future, not in the long future. And we can't kick that can down the road and think that somebody else is going to do it. This is a big danger of San Francisco that we have a lot of smart, intelligent people around that will take care of it. And a lot of people, including your dad, took care of a lot of people. And we don't necessarily, can, we can't rely on that right now. We all have to become involved and engaged um, and do our own little thing, mm. whatever that may be. It could be financial, it could be time, it could be just energy, just to create any kind of movement to want a better San Francisco with the filter of 
all of the equity problems that we have, all the vulnerable communities problems that we have that are real, real problems. They can't, they can't be swept under the, under the rug. So um, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think if a lot of people jump in and use this opportunity, uh, we can get it done. So I loved talking to Rodney because he and I are both on the Maritime Museum board together. And I loved being reacquainted with that area, Fisherman's Wharf and the sounds and the seagulls and the seals that you can hear. And it's just the smells, everything about Fisherman's Wharf is, is amazing. And the fact that he, his parents started the Wax Museum Oh my God, it's just so rich, so fantastic. What a wonderful man. And growing up in San Francisco is a real privilege. The, the Fisherman's Wharf areas where you take your relatives when they come to visit. And then as an adult, seeing this area change and grow and be so full of life has been just wonderful. Next week, we get to talk to Shelley Bradford Bell. So Jay, tell us about Shelley. Shelly is so cool. We went over to, I don't know, what is it called now? Lower Knob Hill? Around the corner from the pan. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's this little area. And this is the area where all of the theaters are. And it's slightly west of Union Square. And we learned so much about the neighborhood. I mean, did you know that most of that neighborhood was French-inspired? When we were recording Shelly... Michaela couldn't stop laughing. and She didn't even have her headphones on. I wasn't even, li I was only half listening. Exactly. <laughs> and I, yeah, she's just so animated and her vibrancy just as a person. And she not only had us laughing, but she had us like tearing up as well. A, just a really amazing presence to be around. We really loved speaking with her and we can't wait to share it with you next week. Yeah, she would say, Wakanda forever. <laughs> Wakanda forever. That's right. Wakanda we forever. That great, yeah. That great photo of you all doing the Wakanda symbol. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> so Shelly's going to be coming at us next week. And as we talked about, we are going to discuss things like the French neighborhood, how she used to run the SF Opera House, her writing, her neighbors, the people that she's connected with over her many, many years being in San Francisco. And we are also really excited because you can see this courtyard and you can see her face and what she was wearing and how she was giggling on our Instagram. Yes, we have a brand new Instagram feed that is beyond the fog radio and be sure to check us out there follow us tell your friends be sure to subscribe be sure to follow be sure to share this on Facebook I mean we're all over the place and of course we really welcome any feedback as well we would love to hear from you we would love to talk to you let us know what you think about these people of San Francisco because obviously we're we're into them, and we hope you are as well. And we are on Spotify, we're on Apple, and we're on Google. So wherever <laughs> you, if you sign up and you on the on those three platforms. <laughs> well said, Susan. Just sign up. <laughs> Good night. Over and out. Later. See you next week. <laughs>